Welcome, Pastor Todd, as he comes this morning. Oh, Lord Jesus, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Wow. It just gets better and better and better and better every Sunday that we come to church. I want to ask a question. And I don't need you any, I don't need you to respond. Is the local church necessary? I'm here this morning on, I believe, a divine assignment from the Lord. I'm going to defend the honor and the heart of the father this morning in front of his children, in front of people all over the world. But I'm going to defend him, his heart, his will, and his desire. For his kingdom. I'm going to speak something this morning that's going to hit a spiritual nerve. A thought, a commonly held conviction among many of God's children about the church. And I'm not talking about his church. I'm talking about his churches. This morning, I am on divine assignment to speak to a spirit that has invaded homes, people's lives, their mindsets, their thoughts, the morals, their convictions. So I'm going to start with a series of questions, some good questions, that's going to allow me to probe an area that I've not heard many preachers take the plunge and deal with. Because I think universally, but more so in the West, we have what we believe to be some... Um, some thoughts, attitudes about church that have made the circuit that we just accept as norm. But the Lord has dealt with me. He says, I need you to tackle a very predominant, paralyzing spirit. So I am on thin ice this morning. But I'm going to hit it. I'm going to punch it. I'm going to jump on it. I'm going to put it on the ground and put my knees on its shoulders and put my hands around its throat, and I am going to strangle the very life of it off of your life, off of this region, off of this nation. 
So stand to your feet. You ready? Father, we love you. We bless you. We thank you for what you're about to do. We thank you, Lord, that there is a good report in the house that we are seeing miracle after miracle, life change after life change, prodigal after prodigal, marriage after marriage, being restored, encountering your glory. So, Lord Jesus, I know what you gave me to do this morning. Lord, I know the assignment upon my life today. I don't just speak to Christ Fellowship Church, which is, I believe, one of the greatest churches on the planet. I speak to the church at large. I speak to the body at large. So, Lord, I need everything that I can get from you right now. I need your wisdom. I need your clarity. I need angelic protection. I need protection from religious spirits. Mm -hmm. Thank you, Lord Jesus. And I will receive them as you give them and speak your word boldly. You may be seated. So here's question or a series of questions that I want to ask. Now, I don't need a response from you during these questions, but I'm going to speak them because there's a reason I have to speak these, not so much because of Christ's fellowship, but because of the spirit of the age. Do you hear what I'm saying? So here's question number one, and it's the title of this message today, Is the Local Church Really Necessary? Question number two, should I belong to a church? Question number three, is church attendance optional for me? Now, I don't want you to misquote anything that I say today. Because I'm going to upset some real, not you guys. You guys are great. You're here. But the spirit of the age. I want to ask the question, is church attendance and should church attendance be optional? Fourth question, is the church, community church, that big of a deal? Is it necessary for my faith and walk with God? People say, that the community church and the real church is not a building or an organization. They go on to say that the organized churches that we seem to have on every corner of our communities are man-made Therefore, it is not necessary for me to connect, to be engaged with, or committed to. I've heard these. And you've heard them. Right? Here's a recent stat, and I want you to take a picture of this. Less than 20% of Americans attend church regularly. It's around 18% to be more precise. Two 
out of 10 people attend church. For every 10 homes in your community, your neighborhood, two of them will be in church this morning. Out of 100, around 18. And the reasons people do not go to church these days, in large part of because of the questions that I have asked. They, they, they want to know, is it necessary? Is it something that is important for my development? Can I be uh, doing life and not have to invest my time every week in a gathering? People feel that it's unnecessary. Some feel that church is boring. Some people feel that church is out of touch with the world we live in, and perhaps you may be right. Another reason people do not attend church, they used to attend church, but they've been hurt by church or by a church leader, and you may have been. Some people do not attend church because they feel that they've been disappointed at some level by church leader or didn't agree with a decision and therefore did not want to deal with the chaos, the fallout of those decisions, and they feel that they were not listened to and no one asked their advice, so therefore they don't want to be in the mixed of such confusion. Another reason that people don't attend church, how many have ever heard this? There are just too many hypocrites. Talk to me. And all of those reasons may be valid reasons. I'm not minimizing them, but is that enough for us to say, I will not, should not participate in a local church that's man-made, that's organized by man. So I come today to talk to you about that. I do not see a difference, a large difference. There is a difference, but a large enough difference between the universal church made up of all believers than the local church. I don't think the Bible gives us the liberty to separate them. I want to say that again because I want to make sure you hear me. I do not see and there are, di there are differences between the universal body of Christ made up of all believers, the church. I do not see a distinct chasm between that and the local community church. Your Bible does not pit them against one another nor gives the believer the choice to be engaged in one and not the other. Now, we're going to be biblical, right? If we're, going to, if we're going to have a biblical worldview, then let's have a biblical worldview, right? Not a Western mindset, but a biblical worldview. God in the Word, now this is where we're staying, does not give you the freedom, nor I the freedom, to choose to be a part of the universal church while neglecting the community church. Amen. Yes. Mm. Yes. You see, the local church 
was planned from the very beginning in the heart and in the mind of God. The local church is not man-made. The building in which you and I are in, man made the structure. But the spirit of this house, which chooses to meet together under a name, a significant name in a significant location, is not man-made. It is spirit-born. Listen closely, because the words that are about to come out of my mouth are very important and will be and should be judged. Organized, mobilized, and unctionized community churches were and still are God's idea. I'm coming against this morning a a, a religious spirit. I'm chopping its legs off. It's going to take me some time, but I'm going to keep chopping. Because already I may have said some things that you may not be in agreement with. I I want you to, to challenge what I say, not by an email, with your personal conviction. And why it's not important to you, but challenge what I say under the microscope of the Word of God. Hmm. You see, God set the local churches up. And it is his intention for them to be everywhere. (laughs) Everywhere. All over the globe. Blanketing every community. I I go to communities and they'll say, dear God, we have 200 churches and we only have 5,000 people in our community. And I go, isn't that great? Isn't that wonderful? I've never heard people complain that there are four gas stations at the intersection. Options are good. I've never heard anybody walk you know, into this place from out of town and say, I cannot believe there's a McDonald's and a Culver's and a Burger King and a Wendy's and a Freddy's and a Panda and a Mod, and not to mention two Waffle Houses within a half a mile of each other, multiple coffee shops, three distinct grocery chains within one mile of each other. But somehow, when it comes to church... We feel that there ought to be one or two, and that's it, to satisfy all of the spiritual palates in this community. There's not enough. Well, 
know, they, 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 they planted them, churches split, and they keep splitting, they keep splitting. Well, okay, if they split, there was a reason that they split. It doesn't mean that God's hand's never on that church again, or God's hand's never going to use that individual. They need to repent, get right with themselves and with others, and then go about the work of the kingdom. Hmm. Do you hear what I'm saying? So what does this mean? Local churches mean that the message of Jesus is spreading throughout the world. It is by which, now listen to my language, the local community church is by which the means that the glory of Christ is spread throughout the earth. It is through local churches that men and women are discipled, trained, sent out to proclaim the good news. It is from the local churches that missionaries are supported. So I say the more the merrier. Hear this. Organized local communities, whether it is Baptist, Nazarene, Methodist, Church of Christ. Now watch this. And I'm going to name, not going to name every denomination. Charismatic. They all, in the core, have a purpose. And they are sanctioned and ordained and put into place by God, not as a mistake, oh my goodness, people need a place to gather, but no, the local church was the plan of God from the very beginning. And you cannot choose for yourself to be a part of the universal and neglect the local. Religion says you can. The Bible Belt encourages you to make that distinction. But I challenge you, find that even a, a morsel of a hint that is what the God, the God of this world intended for his people. Thank you, Lord. Do you hear what I'm saying? Write, write, write this down. The church, the local community church, now listen to my language again, is the ethical center of our nation. I want you to hear me. The local, not the church, not the church, the local church. Because the church is out here. Well, I'm a part of the church. Well, that's a good way of saying I have no commitment anywhere. Well, Jesus is my pastor. Then you're in trouble. The local church is the ethical center of our nation. It is where the heart of God is echoed as well as demonstrated. Listen to this. I choose this very carefully. It is the moral capital of our country. Not the schoolhouse, not the White House, not our houses of government. Come on, talk to me. Not our universities. Come on now. But the church is the moral capital of our country. No wonder the devil says it's not that important that you go. 
The local church materialized, organized, orderly, systematic, all of those words that we hate as Pentecostals. The orderly, materialized, mechanized, systematic, local church is God's idea. 1 Corinthians 14, 26. How is it then, brethren, that whenever you come together, each of you have a psalm, has a teaching, and has a tongue, and has a revelation, and has an interpretation. Let all things be done for edification. The book of Ephesians says that when you come together, let you have a psalm and a song and a word. I'm going to go on the record and, and I'm going to say this one thing and, I, and I'm going to leave it here and I'm going to drop the mic in just a moment about this. The one thing that Jesus loves and he deems precious is the local community church. He loved it so much that he gave pastors to shepherd it. He loved it so much that he gave evangelists to go and to reach people outside of it in order to bring them into it. He loved it so much, not the universal church, but the local church so much that he gave it teachers to equip the saints who are gathering together under one roof, under a building collectively in the community. That teacher to teach them mm -hmm, and how to understand and represent Christ. The pivotal doctrines, the foundations of our faith. Why do we believe what we believe? You do not get that outside the universal church in some quote metaverse, if you will. But I am talking about being connected to a brick and mortar building where you come in together where God has placed within the church prophets because he loved it so much to give it direction so it can stay on course. He loved the local church so much that he gave it apostles to build doctrine, to build structure, and to build territories, and to raise up armies of kingdom expanders so they can plant more local churches. He loved the local church, not the universal big C church so much of which he does, but there's something about the community church on the corner of your street. There's something about the Baptist, the Methodist church that God loves. He says, I understand that they need oversight and direction. He loved it so much that he granted it to be governed by elders. Not him, not the Holy Spirit alone, but by a group of men and women to be elders who took care of the spiritual business of the church. He loved it so much that the local church that he assigned bishops who give oversight to not just one church, but to take care of multiple churches in the area. He loved it so much, according to the book of Acts, that he gave deacons to serve the body and gave us a detailed outline of the qualifications to be a deacon, not in the peripheral, not in the big church, but the local church.
to be a member of the universal church and refusing to be a part of a community church is diametrically opposed to the perfect plan of God for your life. Mm. I'm going to make sure that I say that. And if you're going to quote me, I want you to quote me. But I want you to critique it. Not in line with your feelings or your emotions, but from the heart of God that is revealed about his church. Not his big church, but his local church. If you and I, a member of the universal church, but refuse, listen to my language, refuse to be a part of a local church, you are diametrically opposed to the perfect plan of God for your life. This is a grade A comment. A lack of commitment to your local church reveals a lack of spiritual maturity. A spiritual mature person is one who loves what Christ loves. And demonstrates that love by having a fierce commitment to what he cherishes. And willing to sacrifice all things that Christ deems important. So typically I'm not dealing out there with deeply mature people. I'm dealing with deeply offended people. In here, it's different. There's a different spirit here. You catch this. You've got it. Not attending a church reveals a lack of humility. I do not need them. I'm above that. It isn't worth my investment. I will get what I need from Jesus himself. This is going to come across as abrasive, and I don't mean for it to come out of my mouth any other way than with love and compassion. But I've got to say it, because remember, I'm dealing with a spirit. To not be a part of a church is rebellion. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. It's rebellion. Under the spirit... Of witchcraft. So I haven't made people mad yet. I'm sure that our numbers online have just plummeted. Yep. Because rebellion is as if the sin of witchcraft. Your Bible. Now scrutinize everything under the Bible. Now, to be completely honest, now, since we're here, 
In full transparency, the local church has always been imperfect. And this is where people get sideways with the church. They pit the perfect church, his church, the big C church, against the local church. And the local church is operated by flawed men and flawed women. And they try to do their best to hear from God and to make choices. But honestly, church sometimes is messy. It can literally be a train wreck. And people say to themselves all the time, well, I've got enough carnage in my life. The last thing I need to do is go to church and be in a fight. Now, your Bible doesn't hide the fact that the church is messy. When you read 1 Corinthians and you read 2 Corinthians, there were women having sex all throughout the church. Prostitutes hanging out after you've had a good worship service out in the vestibule. Hey, how about hooking up with me a little bit later today? There's immorality. There's drunkenness that the apostles dealt with. But at no point, at no point, at no point did Jesus ever change his plan. So the epistles that Paul wrote to these two churches was a great deal about cleaning up the messes that imperfect people had caused in the church. They abused certain gifts. Hey guys, you're out of line. You're abusing this. Let's bring this back. Let's pump the brakes a little bit on this. Do you hear what I'm saying? But I don't know why. Maybe because it's an easy go-to. People want the church to be perfect. And the moment that you look up under the hood, and you see the outside is filled with, you know, nice glitzy and bells and whistles. But when you look under the hood and you see that it is aged, decrepit, and rotten at times, people say, I just don't want to be involved in that. So what did Jesus say about the church? Jesus. What did he say? The Bible says in Luke chapter 4 verse 16. That it was his custom. Everybody say custom. It was his custom to go to church. In fact, at the age of 12. It was so impounded into him that when his parents left him, he went to church by himself. Teaching. The expectation of Jesus, the big C, his intention was to never replace the local. Jesus said this, Look at it at the screen. Moreover, if your brother sins against you, go and tell him his fault between you and him alone. If he hears you, you've gained your brother. 
But if he will not hear you, taking to one or two more that by the mouth of two or three witnesses, every word may be established. And if he refuses to hear them, tell it to the what? To what? Tell it to the church. But if he refuses even to hear the, not the big C church, but a local gathering of pastors and teachers and elders, come on, and leaders that Jesus placed over that community. And he says, I need you. If you got a problem, let's handle it in the what? Talk to me. So here's the million dollar question. You ready for it? Now, this is the mother of all questions. I know you're thinking it. I know you want to ask it. And it's the one we all won't answer. You want to know what it is? Okay, I'm going to tell you. Hang on. Can I be a Christian and not go to church? Now, think on this. This may be a good time for you to share this live feed. Because if I, uh, because I'm going to answer this question for you. Because all of us have asked it and nobody's been bold enough to address this. I'm coming after a spirit. Now, I'm not coming after you. You're here. You're, you're good. You're good today. All right, I'm coming after a spirit. You saved today. You are saved. You're saved today. For 20 minutes more, you're saved. No. Can I be a Christian? Because this is where we come to in our culture. Can I be a Christian and not go to church? And because the majority of people don't understand the heart of the Father regarding the local church, they just go, of course. Because you're a member of the Big C Church. They'll say things like, I have my own relationship with the Lord. Now, now stay with me for a moment because I'm about to get technical for just a few moments. And you're going to appreciate, not my opinion, but the biblical response to this question. Now, I've thought long and hard about this for 30 years. Because I'd go knock on a door or ask an individual, hey, I want to invite you to church. They go, I don't need church. I said, and this is what they said. I meet with the Lord on my terms. I meet with the Lord in my deer stand. And I'll talk to him up there. Now listen, I'm saved. I speak in tongues. When I'm in the deer stand, I am not very spiritual. I have one thing on my mind. Blood. I want to kill something. And it is hard for me to pray in tongues. Now, unless I haven't seen anything. 
But I am so distracted with every twig, with every squirrel, every movement. I will scan for four to five hours. I will glass the woods meticulously, centimeter by centimeter. I will even pull out my devices, not my phone, my stuff, to rattle, to make noises like a female deer. I will spray myself with deer urine. I am not very spiritual at all. I'll paint my face. I'll camo from top to bottom. I'll wash my clothes in unscented detergent. And I know what meant. Oh, I just get up there and get with. I, 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 you may. Well, I just like to fish, and that's me and my time with the Lord. Or I like to shop. Or this is my. Now watch this. Sunday morning, my family time, and the Lord wants my family to be whole. So we just gather around, have some omelets, and watch a few cartoons, and and give us five-minute devotion, and scurry about our day. And that's when I feel closest to the Lord. I have an answer. And the question again is this. Can I be a Christian and not go to church? Absolutely not. Can I, listen to the question, be a Christian and not go to church? Absolutely not. Thanks for not walking out. And here's why. You ready? When you say that you are a Christian. It means something. Here's what it means. It doesn't mean that I'm saved. It means that I am a follower of Jesus. Can I be a Christian and not go to church? This is like, can I be a soldier in the army and not show up for duty? No. There's a dishonorable discharge waiting on you. It's called AWOL and a derelict of duty. be a Christian and not go to church. It's like being married and having a marriage certificate, but asking your wife, is it really necessary if I come home every night? Divorce is in your future. 
okay for us to say that we're just married but not hang out together? You see, that kind of gets in my way, cramps my style. I have a busy schedule and I can't hang out with you. Can we just say we're married? It's like saying, can I be a football player on the team and not have to practice? I want to be a part of the team, the benefit of being on the team, but I really don't want to have to do anything. It's under the same lines, in the same context. It's like asking the question, can I be saved and still have sex with my girlfriend anytime I want? The answer to that is somebody with boldness would say, no, 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 no. You cannot be this and that at the same time, biblically speaking. Can I be a Christian and not walk away from pornography? You see, this just doesn't make sense to us. It doesn't register. In fact, the very question itself reveals the dark side of the heart. And here is why. We are saying, can I have the benefits of a relationship with you without being committed to you? And this is the very reason Jesus said in Matthew 7, on that day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, I was a member of the big C. I remember when I went down and, 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 I, and, I, and, I, and I joined the little C. And I prayed a prayer. But I got wrapped up in girls and boys. I got wrapped up in alcohol and partying and then went to college and things just went wild. And then I started my career, started my family. And there was a local church. I tried it one time, but the pastor was like listening to, you know, gravel being put together in a box. It was horrible. The music was terrible. They couldn't sing. They were out of tune. And, and, and so, Lord, I just decided... And then perhaps I, my career took off and the only day that I had to rest was Sunday and I decided to fin, spend that with family and Lord, you do want me to put family above all things, right? You know that, Jesus. And then we stand before him and he says, hey, Lord, Lord. And this is what he says. He says, depart from me. For I never knew you. See, the question we ask reveals the dark side of the heart. Can I still experience all your favor, all your grace, all your mercy, all your blessings, oh, and forgiveness for all my wrongdoings, past, present, and future? And oh, yeah, I want to go to heaven, but I'm not going to participate and give myself to what you love. Can you be a Christian and not attend what he gave his life for? Don't misunderstand. You cannot separate the big C from the local C. 
Because the local C is the big C in expression in group form. Have we taken up the offering yet? Because this may be the last time that we ever have this large of an offering. I know that. We want to know in our culture how little is required of me. How little and what is expected from me. How little can I give in order to not lose any of the benefits? Now here's the difference I'm going to show you. The difference between biblical Christianity and Bible Belt Christianity. In the Bible Belt, we want to believe in Jesus. Believing in Jesus will send you straight to hell. Believing that Jesus died on a cross, shed his blood for your sins, raised the third day, and sits at the right hand of the Father. Believing in that can send you straight to hell. I believed all those things before I was born again. And I was as lost as last year's Easter's egg. I wasn't saved. I wasn't born again. But I believed. Your Bible says that the devil themselves believe. And yet they tremble. Bible Belt Christianity. You believe that Jesus is the Son of God? Yes, check. Do you believe that Jesus died for your sins? Yes, check. Do you believe that on the third day that he came back from the dead? Uh, yeah, check the box. Boom. Wow. Okay, you believe that. Now confess with your mouth after me. Say these words after me. Confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord. Say it. Say it so I can hear you. Jesus is Lord. Born again. Right here, new, new creation, born again. You see, your Bible says you cannot be born again without believing those things, but you add something to it. And it's not your good works. It's not behavior. But it is a repentance of where I turn from my way my mind, all about me, all about this. And knowing this, here's where we, we, we rush people to the altar too quickly. We get them up in an emotional frenzy. And people all the time say, why don't you ever give an altar call on Sunday mornings? I have you for a, a, a decade. I don't want you to be emotionally driven to make a, 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 a decision that you've not thought about. There are times to do it. We do do it. But sometimes you just need to go back home and think about, am I willing to pay the price of what I just heard? 
That's why Jesus said, count the cost. But in the South, who wants to be saved? Well, everybody wants to be saved. Who don't want to go to hell? Everybody doesn't. You, you tell a 10-year-old. Okay. All through vacation Bible school. You don't get saved, you're going to hell. Well, I never heard about hell. Tell me about hell. Fire. You're going to burn forever. Your skin's going to melt off. But you're never going to die. So you're going to fall continuously while you're at it and scream. And mama can't help you. Who wants to be saved? I don't want to go to hell. Now, I don't want to stop smoking, but I don't want to go to hell. I don't want to stop having sex with my lover, but if he's giving out get out of hell free cards, I'm all in this. So we rush him to the front. Okay, do you believe that Jesus is the Son of God? Yeah, I was told that he was. Do you believe that he came from and shed his blood on the cross? Yeah, for your sins. Okay, I believe that. Do you, um, do you believe he came back from dead? Yeah, I believe it. Okay, all right. Pray this prayer. Do you believe he's Lord? This is important. You cannot be saved without repentance. I say this all the time. First message that John the Baptist preached was repent for the kingdom of God is ahead. First message Jesus preached, guess what he started with? The R word, repent for the kingdom of God is ahead. They asked Peter in Acts chapter 2 after the coming of the Holy Ghost, what must we do to be saved? First word out of his mouth is repent. And then with repentance comes a change of heart, change of belief system. You're entering into a new family that meets together. Ladies, you know how you feel when your husband doesn't want to be with your family. Well, that's a bad example. Y'all know something? You see, when I don't want to go there. Hurts you, doesn't it? Can you imagine? Lord, I don't want to meet with your family. I don't want to see my brothers and sisters. Everybody okay? I got a couple minutes. Can I be a Christian and not go to church? No. You can't. The Bible Belt says we want to believe in Jesus. Biblical Christianity is, I'm going to follow Jesus. We want to believe, but not follow. Guess where he would be today if he was in Dawsonville? In a church. I'm not saying this church, but in a church. Jesus, I can't go in there. Why, these are my people. Oh, they're messed up. Have you seen yourself lately? Oh, they get in fights all the time. I know. I'm trying to work it out. You know what? You would be the perfect fit. Right here. Help them. Billy Graham in 1957. So if you're going to get mad, get mad at him. 
He says, are you trying to live a solitary Christian life? I tell you, the Bible doesn't know anything about it. Christian fellowship is not optional. Stop throwing stones at me. This is Billy. It's not an option, Christian, for you to sit home and not be involved in a church somewhere. It's, let me look into the camera. It's not an option for you to sit home and not be engaged in the big C that is expressing itself in the local community through churches that have brick and mortar, men and women leading them. He says, in 1957, when people still told you the truth, I tell you the Bible doesn't know anything about it. Christian fellowship is not optional, it is essential. It's commanded. We are not to forsake the assembling of ourselves together. The Bible teaches the church is like a vine with its many branches. It's like living stones built together, members of the body of Christ, all knit together. Well, you say, he added, I'm a member of the great universal church, but I am not a member of the local church or assembly. That's like saying, I'm in the Navy, but I'm not going to any ship. He added, Billy Graham, bless his soul. You cannot live a victorious Christian life and have the peace and joy in your heart without faithfulness in your church. In your King James Bible, you see the word church 111 times. The local church is the central theme of the entire New Testament. The epistles were written not to individuals, not to you. This Bible was not written for you alone. It was written to churches. And they were read in churches. You can make biblical application. And it is written to you because you're a member of his church, but he's written to you because you're a part of that local church. The other books that were written outside of the epistles were written to and by church leaders, oftentimes instructing people how to lead the church. Revelation chapters two and three addresses seven local churches. Imagine being a part of that mess where Jesus himself had to write you a letter. He didn't kick them out. He didn't shun them. You know what? He didn't say, you got it all wrong. No. He told one of them, he says, I'm so sick of you. I'm going to spit you out of my mouth. He says, some of you are so rich, been so blessed, you've forgotten your first love. He wrote it to the church, not to an individual, to a group just like us. You cannot separate the local church 
from the heart of the Father. To miss, to stay out, to be optional, to stay home and gather around the kitchen table with your family and family time is not in the heart of the Bible. You cannot find it. This is blowing my mind. I don't know if I'm ever coming back. See? Look at that. Local churches mentioned in the Bible. Antioch, Poseidon, Acts 13, 1 through 4. The church at Antioch, the church at Syria, Acts eleven twenty six. Athens, Acts 17, 3, 4. Babylon, 1 Peter chapter 5. Bariah, Caesarea, Sintra, Colossa, Corinth, Crete, Titus, Cyrene, Damascus, Derb, Ephesus. Come on, I could go on and on. These are all local, man-made, mechanized churches, organized. Men-led, women-led churches, Thyatra, Thessalonica, Tarsus, Smyrna, Sharon, Sardis, Rome. Come on now, Philippi, Philadelphia, Pergamum, Lystra, Lydia, Laodicea, and Joppa. And then Jerusalem. At no point, biblical Christianity gives you an excuse or an option to not be fully, not attending, but fully engaged in his body. Then, then, regions of churches, the region of Phoenicia, the region of Samaria, churches of Judea, churches of Galatia, churches of Asia, churches of Macedonia, scrutinize everything I say today with the word of God. You will stand before him on one day and he's going to ask you this question. What was your involvement in the one expression of who I am to the world. And your hurt feelings, and your offenses, and your feelings, your career, your family. And it's the only day I have off will not hold water with him. Not when you have the biblical support that the entire New Testament from Acts beyond is geared toward the strengthening and development and the health of the local church. Stand your feet. I'm done. Okay. Well, I love you with all my heart. I love you enough to prepare you for that day. I love you enough. So some of you are looking for a church home. As of today. And you're saying, well, how do I get engaged here? Let us know. For the revival is just beginning. And why not spend the rest of your days in the midst 
of a move of God that expects and demands and requires everything. So when you stand before him, he's going to say, how did you take care of my body? He says, Lord, I served it. I supported it. I gave to it. I cleaned the toilets. I vacuumed the floors. I held people in the baptistry. I prayed. I checked bags. I kept kids. I went on mission trips. Lord, I just captured your heart about the church, the local church. See, we need to repent today. Lord, forgive me for treating this lightly. Forgive me for making it optional if I, if, if I need to sleep in. They that wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. Those that serve the Lord shall renew their strength. What you sow to the Spirit, you'll reap by the Spirit. I don't know enough. I feel inferior done some terrible things. Welcome to the local church. We're all kind of messed up. We'll disappoint you. We'll break your heart. We'll fail you. But just know that going in. And if you'll give me grace, I'll give you grace. If you will not hold me to a standard that is impossible for me to live up to, that I know that I'm going to shatter you at some point say something, come across as something. If you'll not, if you'll not hold me up there, because I'm not there, I don't live there. I'll not be disappointed when your child gets a DUI. And you won't have to feel ashamed. And we'll go together to bail him out. Or I'll hold your hand. Say, this too shall pass. You've done good as a parent. They just made a bonehead decision. It doesn't define the rest of his life. He'll learn from it. Let me hold your hand. Know me by the Spirit, not by what you see. Know me by the Spirit. All right? This is a good day today. I have brought clarity and, and listen and dealt with ambiguity because you need to know where I am. And it's not an opinion. Anything I say today, any word that you can refute from the Bible and come to a different opinion, I would like to know about that. Billy Graham will come back from the dead and sit right here next to me. And he's going to come back with some new evidence. And he's going to point. He says, that dude's right. I've heard the Father's heart and how he loves these places. So Father, I, I bless your people. I speak life on your people. This building should be and will be packed next Sunday. No sleeping in, no tiredness, no going to the lake, no one last weekend. 
just to be with the kids. For you said, do not let us forsake the assembling of ourselves together as some people consider it an option. Thank you, Lord. Bless you. In Jesus' name, and all God's people said, amen, amen. All right. God bless you. I'll see you tonight at 5 o'clock. Tonight at 5 o'clock, our prayer time, then revival for this evening with Pastor David Edmondson. Thank you for being here this morning.